One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. He was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple court, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witness of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God so that your sin may be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for Jesus to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised him up, his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Thanks um, for reading that long, long chapter. In fact, this story stretches over two long, long chapters. It's a wonderful scene of a middle-aged man, and maybe even in those days, a man who would have been seen to be on his way into middle age, uh, or, or even old age at 40. Um, uh, not a great thought. But um, this man who has been crippled all his life, excluded, all his life forced to beg probably from young age so he can contribute to the family for 40 years we're told at the end of chapter four for 40 years a lifetime of not being able to walk 
not being able to dance. This beggar sitting by the gate of the temple probably didn't see people anymore. You know what it's like if you've been there day after day somewhere, you lose the ability to see what's actually happening anymore. It all becomes, well, we've seen it all before. I suspect the beggar didn't really see people anymore. He just saw potential donors. And I suspect that the people who went to the temple didn't see the beggar. They just saw people they had to move around. But something happens to that man. And it happens because two men slow down enough. And it's really interesting. You heard Betty uh, read it. But in um, verse 3, when the beggar saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something. Look at us. And the man gave him attention. And suddenly it's like one of those moments where everything slows down. And you know something's going to happen here because two people have given one person their full attention and that one person has been gripped again by it. And the man says, I'm looking for money. And the disciples say, we've not got money, but what we do have, we will give you in the name of Jesus. Walk. We've seen Jesus do this stuff before. So walk. Let's start to walk. And he does. And he leaps and he dances his way with Peter and John into the temple. Can you imagine the scene? And the three of them. The three of them stand to explain what's been going on. And all three stand there as miracle stories. Peter, the man who's denied Jesus, who said, I don't know him, I've never been with him. It's got nothing to do with me. Jesus, that man who's made Peter a miracle story. John, the one called Beloved, the one that Jesus was close to, the John, the one that was rare right at the end. I'm a miracle story. I was found by Jesus. And then this middle-aged man, a miracle story, a healed man. They all have a story. And they all have a story because of Jesus. Just like you do. We are Jesus miracle stories and the 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 reading that that you heard betty give was the longer part of the reading really the miracle story the sort of the 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 healing happens quite quick actually the longer piece is peter trying to explain what's happened because what peter does he reframes this and says well this is almost like it's not just like a one-off it's almost like what God has done for this lame man that you see with us now leaning on us it's a brilliant picture of three men kind of two of them kind of being lent on by this guy who's learning to walk for the first time but he's going what you saw happen in him God wants to do with the whole of the world in other words this is not a fluke it's not 
his good fortune. It's actually something's begun in him. And if you could see it, this miracle story is what God wants to do for the whole world. And then what Peter does, he has an in-house conversation with his fellow Jews. In other words, they have a conversation and all of them understand the language that they're going to use. And Peter, and you probably might not have noticed it as, as it was read because it, it almost comes like a torrent. But Peter starts to explain, who is this name, the name of Jesus? He begins by saying, listen, folks, the most important thing you need to know is we didn't do this in our own power. We don't have the ability to make lame people walk. It's not us. It's Jesus. Um, what he actually says, I'll read it to you. Fellow Israelites, why does this, this miracle surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or our own godliness, as though somehow we were more spiritual than the rest? We had made this man walk. No, 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 no. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. And he's going to explore who Jesus is. Just look really not got time to do this in any great detail but just look at the way he describes Jesus he's the glorified one he's the servant he's the holy and righteous one he's the author of life a brilliant brilliant metaphor for Jesus he began life and actually in the rest of that verse it goes on even though you swapped him for a murderer there was the irony He's the Christ, the Messiah. He's the prophesied one. He's the one who will bless you by turning you away from your own sin. It's kind of like in a dozen verses. Do you see what Peter's doing? He's kind of using so many different descriptions to say, this is the one I, we keep talking about. This is the one who brought healing. This is Jesus. Glorify from the beginning, the God of our fathers. Um, it's almost like a new Moses, the servant, the suffering servant, the holy and righteous one, a daring title to use of Jesus because the Jews would really only have used that of God. The author of life, that brilliant, you know, when John writes his gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was, um, was God from him in him all things hold together paul will write in colossians he's the christ the messiah he's the one that the prophet said would come he's the one who will bless us everything points to jesus god's story is being revealed and it's continuing here and now peter says because of jesus now two things strike me number one you don't need to tell someone in need all of this. <laughs> Peter and John didn't sit with that man at the beautiful gate and say, can we just tell you all about our Jesus? We've got at least half a dozen metaphors we'd like to explore with you in some depth. No, 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 no. You help people because you know this. Peter knew who Jesus was. Peter knew what Jesus could do. And Peter and John they stuck their neck out because they said, we think he'll do it again. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. 
but if you've been with someone in work or someone in your family who's not a believer and you go i'm going to really pray that god's going to help you heal you be with you open up doors for you whatever it might be how many of you know how you go away going oh god do it do it god don't don't let me look stupid it's kind of like every time you go in the name of Jesus, you stick your neck out. And every time you give attention to people and you go, because of Jesus, I'd like to do something here. You kind of put your reputation on the line. And then in some senses, I guess you put God's reputation on the line. And there's a sense in which, oh, God, do it. But this is what I know of you. This is what I know of you. I think in all of this story, one of the things that becomes really important is the disciples choose to pay attention to someone. It's one of the things that last year when we were talking about what sort of church did we want to be, what sort of church did we want to sort of see ourselves as becoming, what values would mark us out as that church. We talked about this idea of paying close attention to one another, of giving each other full, uh, full attention, of really knowing one another. And that wasn't out of any sort of mere curiosity, but it was because... It's when you pay attention to one another, you see God at work. One of the things that we've been doing, and um, I'm going to ask you about this later, but one of the things we've been doing is uh, interviewing people. And every week I get the chance just to interview someone and then we put it on the website and we put it in the midweek musings, the, the communications that you get from church. And in brackets, if you've not got them, then sign up. And we'll send them to you as well. Go on our website, sign up to our mailing list, you get them. And I have, I have to tell you, there's a lot that I've missed uh, in lockdown. But this has been one of the best things I've enjoyed. Just the chance to chat to people you can see for about a quarter of an hour, thereabouts, and just ask them about their lives, ask them about what's happened, and take notice of what they've done. What you don't know is that when I became full-time pastor at the beginning of the year, one of the things on my intention, my list of intentions about the way I wanted to work was to do this. It was just that I kind of never really saw the, how I would make it work when we weren't in lockdown. And I wanted to do it because I wanted to know the stories and I wanted you as a whole church to know the stories that we have together because the stories of what God has done is brilliant. Eugene Peterson says this, the stories often go unnoticed because we're blind to God. So many eyes glazed by television don't see the God stories being enacted right before them, sometimes in their own homes. It's my task, I've decided, to see, to listen. What if it was your task as well? You see, when we ask questions of one another, tell me about how you first realized that God was interested in you. People will say these sort of things, these all come from the stories, by the way, that you can watch. It made sense to me on a bus. <laughs> I grew into it. 
into faith and I owned it. I found that faith gave me purpose. I knew I was included. I had an overwhelming experience of the love of God. I was literally saved. My life was put back together again. And it's kind of when you listen to these stories, you get the sense, I get the sense, that I'm almost treading on holy ground. For this is the workplace of God. This is the workshop, if you like, where God makes himself known. And for that to happen, what needs to go on for me is I need to slow down. I need to go slow down for a number of reasons. Firstly, I need to slow down to know my own story. Your life is not one set of events after another. Your life is a story in which God is involved. Do you know your story and can you tell it? And when you're with other people, can you start another story? You see, with this 40-year-old man at the gate, what Peter and John did is they started a new story for him. His story, his life so far, had been one story, and Peter and John and God's healing started another. As I come into land here, I just want to say, will you pay close attention to yourself, and will you pay close attention to others around you because as an american writer just said the church even in its most trying times may take heart knowing that all is not left up to us nor is the community of faith our creation in other words we hear these stories of god at work and we're reminded that it's not all about us in a sense what we need is eyes to see for god's at work god's at work God's at work amongst us. God's at work at work amongst those who you prayed for earlier. Final slide. So where's the next story happening? What might God be doing? And who are you giving your full attention to? Who are you watching on? I don't mean in a scary, strange way, but who are you sort of going, God... I'm aware of them. Might be your neighbor. Might be the person that you hardly know. Peter and John didn't know this guy. It might be the family member. And what you're called to do is watch what God is doing and to give what you have. The guy wanted money. He ended up with so much more. I'll give you what I can give you. I can give you wisdom. I can give you blessing. I can give you Jesus. I wonder what would happen if we did decide during this in-between period of ascension and resurre uh, resurrection and ascension. Uh, so, sorry, between ascension and Pentecost. Let me get it right. Between ascension and Pentecost. I wonder what would happen if we said, I'm going to pray for five folks. This week, five people. And I'm just going to pray that God will bless them, that God will be at work in their lives in a new way. And if I can... I watch what God is doing because I want the kingdom to come. And what happened when Peter and John saw this guy was they recognized that it's the extension of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at work. And he wraps us up into his purpose.
take notice of your own life. Take notice of those around you. Start a new story for God's at work. Always has been, always will be. But Lord, give me eyes to see what you're doing.